We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Knicks fans, how you doing? It's your boy John of the Macri with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. I am joined because it is Monday for you, even though we're recording this on Super Bowl Sunday. We don't know who won the Super Bowl yet. Uh, I'm joined by my co-host Jeremy Cohen. Jeremy, do you have any? Um, was it ducats? Ducats is the old is the old uh, term from um, what's the play? The Shakespeare play with the ducats. Oh, come on. I know you're a Shakespeare. You're not a Shakespeare scholar? Not really. Theater, yeah. Shakespeare, not as much. There's a play that there's ducats. This is a great start, by the way. Uh, (laughs) I don't don't remember ducats. Is there a word word for ducats? No, I was going to say, in non-old English terms, can you enlighten me? Because I I have no... Money. Do you have any money on the game? I don't know. I should have thought of that. Uh, No, I don't currently have any. No. That's a shame. I don't have any either. We'll see. We'll see if it. Well, all right. Well, that's a shame too. Yeah, I, I think I have. My mom bought a box, and she's like, "If I win the box, I'll, I'll give you half the money." I'm like, "I don't need your. I don't need your pittance." Um, even though the Knicks are are uh, are perhaps um, leaving me um, desiring some some sympathy. Um, well, I shouldn't say that the Knicks aren't leaving me desiring of sympathy. It's just the the aura around the team right now is leaving me a little little wanting. Um, cause it seems like I'll tell you this, we'll talk about the Miami game that they, that they just finished up a little while ago before we get into the Derek Rose trade, by the way, for anyone listening to this, who doesn't know the Knicks have traded for Derek Rose, um, Dennis Smith jr. And a, uh, the, uh, pick they got from Charlotte this year, uh, from the, the Willie Hernan Gomez trade. Um, I was going to say, if you had just stopped a Derek Rose trade, you probably would have should have said something like, Oh, and if you know, if you're hearing this, it's not. 20, what, 17, 2016, <laughs> you did not fall into a coma uh, or you're, this isn't Groundhog Day. They made that trade in late. I want to say that I'm going to hear this is going to test me. I want to say the day of that trade was May 24th. I'm going to look it up. I think it was a June trade. It may. I don't know why May 24th. It, it, it should be. It probably is a June trade. I don't know why I thought May 24th. I'm going to look it up. We'll see who's closer. Um, but I'll say that I, I think this is a good place to start. And we'll talk about the game real quick. Um, if you would have said to me before the season that the Knicks would be 11 and 14 after 25 games and they would be in, I, I haven't, I mean, there are game, there's a game in progress right now. Actually, no, all the games that are uh, affect them in the standings are, are over today. So, and they are um, sitting in eighth place. So they are a playoff team as of right now. Um, eighth best team in the Eastern Conference. If you would have told me those two things 
and the accompanying stuff about like Randall's playing like an all-star RJ Barrett's played well, Emmanuel quickly has emerged, you know, top and size moments. And you would have told me that I would say more than half of Knicks nation would be, what's the word displeased with how things are going. Um, I'm not sure I would have believed you. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, and I'm not really sure where to go from there, but I will turn it over to you while I look up the date of that trade. It was June 22nd. I was Damn doing it. that while you, yeah. Um, Cause I, I had an internship and that's why I had seen it. It resonated anyways. Um, you know, Kudos again, to you. I, I, thank you. Uh, I think that in terms of everything going on, I think it's very possible that a lot of us, myself included, underrated this team because of the stink that is David Fisdale. Because in reality, if you can go 17 and 27 with Mike Miller, then you should be able with a better roster and, you know, some obviously the coaching and development and then these guys just naturally progressing on their own. All of that should equate to a better team than 17 and 27. What that win pace is. I believe it was like a 32 win pace. Yeah, um, we're about two game season. Actually, so, no, it might've been, I'll look that up right now while you're continuing. It might've been 31 could have been like 31.4. Anyways, it, it's, it's the sort of thing where I don't, I don't have a problem with what we saw today in terms of this trade. I, I think that we as Knicks fans are so conditioned to feel pain and to be outraged and, and angry that our first instinct is, Oh my God, just pure rejection. Like that was mine. When I saw that the Knicks were possibly going to trade for Derek Rose, I was like, okay, well, like, you know, maybe this is part of a third team where the Knicks can take on a salary. And then it got closer. And I thought, well, maybe this is something where they're at least not buying because the idea of them buying would be absolutely ridiculous. And then you find out what the haul is for Detroit, if you can even call it that. It's basically a little less than matching salary. Not sure you can call it that. <laughs> and it's a second round pick. And again, like, I don't, I don't mean to put down second round picks, but here's the reality of it. Second round picks are incredibly risky because yeah, you could sure, of course you get a Mitchell Robinson with your second round pick, but if you think Mitchell Robinson is the norm in any sense of the word, then you are just fooling yourself. Second round picks are ridiculous lottery tickets. And if you're looking at something that's like in the early to mid forties, it's not going to yield you something that's so like stand out ish that you can't replace that. Like, Dotson, for example, I know that a lot of people love Dotson, but the one thing we found out is that Dot is replaceable. And that's essentially what that later second round pick is. It's, it's usually a replaceable thing. Like the Detroit pick, that is going to be right at the cusp at the end of the first round. That is a good pick. You don't trade that pick unless you're moving up because you have to consolidate in some way, most likely. And the, the Knicks were never going to have four you know, picks from this draft. It just was never going to happen. So with this idea of Derrick Rose... Again, I, I would, this wouldn't have been a trade I wanted, but it, it comes down to really, I guess you could say four, but you could consolidate into three things. Uh, number one was the cost of business, right? And the cost was pretty good. Again, like you took essentially dead salary of Dennis Smith Jr. And you took on $2 million extra in money. Okay. And you traded a second round pick that's going to be like, you know, in the early to mid forties, fine. And ra- rarely do teams make four second, make, sorry, not make four second round picks, make four picks and keep all those. Like at mm-hmm. some point they were going to have to move one of those, one of those picks and they yeah. move the worst of them. So, right. And the advantage to having that fourth pick is really, if you're not going to consolidate, it's to draft a player who's maybe international. And then that way you can have their draft rights and use that to send out in a trade. But you can still, again, like look at what the Knicks did in what, 2015 with Louis Labery. They had, his they bought the 57th pick from the Pacers and they can use that his rights to trade for you know anything just you have to send something back so that was the first thing the second thing of course comes down to what is Derrick Rose's role going to be yeah because if you which I think Derrick is the Rose, most important thing absolutely it, at least right now that we've gotten past that first part that is 100% the most important thing because Derrick Rose is not a starter that has not been his role since leaving the Knicks he has come off the bench in 75% of his games and yeah. you'd like to think that continues based on his usage level, which is high. Uh, and the fact that when you have Randall and you have Barrett, you know, you've got mouths to feed. You don't need someone at the point who's completely off ball. Like you want someone who can cut, you want someone who can handle it, but you don't want someone who's just, you know, going to be like Peyton where they're in so many ways, a black hole offensively and their assist percentage is down to a ridiculous degree because he's just not performing well. 
And the third thing comes down to, again, I guess you could shift over to Peyton. How much time yeah. is he going to get? Is he yeah. going to be on this team long-term? Can you trade him for someone? Can you get him to waive his no trade uh, um, protection? Because the thing with Peyton as well is he is salary filler. And I know that when some people hear that, they think, well, the Knicks have $15 million in salary. Why do they need to use him as salary filler? For the same reason that they just used Dennis Smith Jr. in a trade. They used him as salary filler. They used him to be able to make the money work. They could have done it separately, of course. But if you take in Dennis Smith Jr., excuse me, if you take in Derrick Rose, then you're down to what? About maybe $10 million in cap space? You're losing money that you could have used. And that's a problem, which is why using a player like Alfred Payton, like Dennis Smith Jr., in that case, it gets you closer to making the deals you want. And the fourth thing I'll say, and then I'll turn it back to you, Emmanuel, quickly. Again, you have to figure out what his role is going to be. I think that you have to give him significant minutes just because of the fact that he deserves it. But because if you're trying to figure out what this whole thing is long-term, you want to see him getting minutes around your best players. And that's, that's vital. It can open up so many different avenues because if you have Derek Rose solidifying your bench and actually, you know, giving you solid minutes and you, you also figure out a way to, as I believe Woj has tweeted out, get Austin Rivers off of the team, that opens up a ton of new avenues. So yeah, I know I've said a lot. But no, this, that was that was a great precursor. I just I wanted to throw in there in terms of the Austin Rivers just to update all of the news that's currently out there. Um, that uh, Berman kind of snuck it in his article that Rose is the one who's like, or sorry, uh, Rivers is going to be the one likely to be out of the rotation. And then Woj in his uh, ESPN piece noted that um, what what the hell was his was his wording? Uh, Rivers is likely to be a player that could be of interest to teams around the trade deadline. Um, that's you know help 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 make my client look good. Um, that's, that's, that's what that is. And there's, there's something to be said about uh, rivers in that his contract is great. And I'm not just talking about the non-guaranteed portions. It is. It's a good contract, but the other really uh, fun clause about it is that it's not guaranteed after the moratorium. So all of these teams can essentially have his money on the books and use that salary to make a trade and then non-guarantee it at a certain point. Yeah, And that's really important for teams that are going to be like severely capped out or in the luxury territory. So I can see that being beneficial to other organizations. Um, just reading Bobby Mark's tweet. Um, interesting to see where Derek Rose falls on the pecking order of guards and who loses minutes as a result. Rose graded out to a second round pick when it comes to a return value. And I do not think New York, the New York Knicks overpaid to get him could be a rare win-win for both teams. Um, I think mo- this is going to be most of the consensus around the league. I think most of the league is going to look at this trade as like, all right, the Knicks had the worst point guard situation in the league and they got someone who is not an answer to their point guard problems, but um, is someone who will, will help. And I think I said it on the, the live stream I did after the game that to me, I have not watched a ton of Detroit basketball this year. I don't know if you have Jeremy. Um, I've watched, uh, you know, I've watched a handful of games, you know, a quarter, quarter and a half the year, quarter and a half here. Um, I haven't watched a ton of Rose, obviously. I just know in terms of his numbers, it's essentially um, he is passing more in relation to his overall usage than he ever has in his career before. So he's looking to get others involved, it would seem. Um, and he's struggling immensely around the rim. He's shooting better from three than he ever has before, but I'm not sure if it's on significant enough volume to make a difference. However, um, I think he does pose more of a, pre- a threat than um, Alfred Payton, not that that talk about the world's lowest bar. Um, <laughs> so, as as a kid who wore um, uh, fat kid jeans, they were called Husky brand jeans. That's what I my mom was like. They're not for fat kids. They're for Husky kids. Um, I could say this. It's you know like being the thinnest kid at fat camp. Anyway, um, he'll help. I think he'll help. And I think if you need proof of the fact that he'll help, um, just look at the other four teams that are rumored to have been in on him. It's Brooklyn, it's Miami, it's the Clippers and it's the Lakers. You may not trust the Knicks front office as far as you could throw them, but those four front offices seem to have some modicum of a close to what they're doing. Brooklyn may be less so because they're in a little bit of a desperation situation, but the other three for sure. Um, I, I want to speak to, to, one other thing that you that you mentioned earlier before we 
Well, no, I'm going to save that to the end. The, the thing about their wins last year, just on Rose. Yeah. Like this is a big, like, okay, let's give it a shot. What do we have to lose? I just, I don't see, I don't see where the hand wringing is coming from. Assuming Emmanuel quickly is still as significant a part of the rotation as he has been. And I think one, one underrated point of that is we've gotten to see Emmanuel quickly finish a fair portion of games here over the first month and a half of the season. And as Tibbs always says, it's not who starts, it's who finishes. And I think Emmanuel quickly has gotten a lot of those opportunities because Alfred Payton has been so bad and it's like, okay, let's give the kid a shot. And he's, he's come through. I wonder now with Derek Rose here, will will quickly get as many of those opportunities. And I hope he does because not all minutes are created equal. Tibbs talks about this all the time, late in the games. It's like a different skill set is required. The refs whistle changes and it's like all these types of things, um, you know, and, and I think you look at quickly and there's some good and there's some bad. He came into the game um, against Miami and what was, I would just, we should say it was a well-played game. You know, they missed some shots down the stretch. I don't, I don't know what there is to say about this game. It was a good game. It was a competitive game. Um, we could talk about the RJ Barrett not being on the court at the end if you, if you want to touch on that. But um, quickly comes in the game and immediately breaks down the defense and uh, throws an alley-oop to Mitchell Robinson. And if it was, I want to say, maybe that might have been the last meaningful basketball of the game for the Knicks. Maybe Randall had one after that. That was it. But then there were other times where they were just kind of passing the ball around the perimeter and and, and Miami was trapping and, and doing what they do on defense and quickly couldn't really do anything with that. Um, and so I think you're looking at, okay, this is a, this is a point guard learning on the fly. So then what do you do with that? Right. Do you, do you let him struggle? And then do you let the team struggle as a result? But that gets us back to the whole, how is Tibbs getting more out of these guys than, than so many coaches have gotten out of the next so many years in the past. Um, and I think it's, they, they believe that they have a head coach and a franchise that is doing everything they can to win every game which is where the development questions get a little dicey because, you know, do you want to give that up? I don't, I'm, you know, so that's really where this trade comes down to for me. Um, I want to see how it looks on the court. I want to see who gets minutes. I want to see when they get minutes. Um, if it's rivers, that's out of the rotation. Fine. What happens to Peyton? Does, I mean, you assuming Rose starts or Rose comes off the bench, it wouldn't shock you. Would it shock you if Rose starts and Peyton comes off the bench? Little. I, I just don't think that that's who he is at this point in his career. And I think Tibbs is cognizant of that. For 29 other teams, I'm just right. No, I get team, it. Maybe I, it's different. Yeah. I, um, I, I'm trying to remember. I, didn't he come off the bench behind Teague in Minnesota? He's he has been a bench player since uh, Cleveland, and I I want to say that was where the transition happened. But he didn't. Right. He played like 200 minutes in Cleveland. Right. I, and yes, and it's also going to be fascinating here because um, you'd cited Rose's numbers this season, and you're right. I mean, around the rim, it hasn't been great, but he's also played it's half. It's right. He's been bad. he's played half the minutes that Alfred Payton has. Yeah. So there's just not a whole. It's not oh. a huge sample size. That's the one thing in terms of Rose. Um, I think a lot of it. You know, I was talking about this how we're conditioned to kind of feel fear as Knicks fans. Oh, I want to get back to that too. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think that obviously that a lot of that comes with Emmanuel quickly, but I think a lot of it also comes from Knicks fans who just deep down, they don't feel the team's ready to take that next step forward. And they recognize that Rose coming in could push the Knicks up where it's like, okay, so basically what you're telling me is if they win the play in games and they happen to make the playoffs, they just get swept. And you know, again, whether that's like subconscious or not, we have to recognize that the Knicks are trying to work here. You can look at, yes, we could have a, a tanking conversation, you know, until day turns in the night and night turns. But in isn't the night. that what the Derek Rose trade ultimately comes down? Isn't it a conversation about whether you believe in tanking or not? To an extent. I mean, you have a larger margin of error because of the Mavericks pick, which is great. It's, it's lovely to be in that position. Um, and you hope that the Mavs keep losing because then if you keep winning, that's fine too. But I'm sure that there's the idea of like, well, deep down, if you also lose and if the Mavs lose, you're looking at two higher picks and that's great too. But, but then, you know, you get into the whole thing of like, well, Emmanuel quickly was just drafted 25th overall. So, you know, again, I, I don't want to get into that debate. It was more just a thought that came to my mind because I think 
as well with Derrick Rose, it's like, well, we've seen this movie before. And I honestly don't know if that's true. I mean, listen, the Knicks and Derrick Rose are two very different points in yeah. their in their lives. I mean, you know, the Knicks are obviously not a sentient. You're being, talking course, about but, it like it's a relationship. Right. Well, it kind of is. You know, I mean Can you believe Johnny and Marie got together again? They didn't learn their lesson the first time. Oh my God, he still has the scars, literally. Yep. But yeah, they're different people. They are. They're they're different people. Listen, the Knicks under Tibbs are very different than Rose running the triangle under Hornacek under Phil Jackson. It's just a different point in time. And I I don't think that we can look at that experience and say it's going to be exactly like that. It's going to be a disaster. And for the people who are, you know, sounding the alarms, I'm not even saying you're wrong because it's very possible that this could just be Tibbs going all in. But it also feels to me like every step of the way for the last, I don't know, since maybe Tibbs was hired uh, back in late July, I think, um, it seems like there's always been this fear of, well, the Knicks are going to go for it and they're going to push all their chips into the middle and they're going to go for it. And then they don't. And then it comes up again somehow. And then they don't do it again. And then it comes up like today. And again, no and chips didn't. have been pushed in. Right. Again, you can. there are periphery ancillary moves you can make as long as you don't sell the meat and potatoes for magic beans, you're going to be fine. That's okay. And that's the beauty of using the leftover cap space you have. You can buy and you can sell. You can take on, you know, like if you trade Austin Rivers for a draft pick, that's great. If you take on salary, that's cool too. There are things that you can do here that you have the flexibility to do. And that is why, again, like we can view this Derrick Rose trade as itself. But we also have to look at the bigger picture, and it's why I don't believe we can truly judge this trade until the end of the trade deadline when we see what the team for the rest of the year looks like. Because otherwise, it's like it's like looking at one piece of the puzzle and saying, well, that's what the puzzle looks like. It doesn't. It's- We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Just a piece. That's well, it. And I, I want to see what the rotation looks like. I want to see what the yep. what it looks like. Not only the next, the first game that Derrick Rose is here. I want to see it over the course of the first twenty games that that Derrick Rose is here. Um, want to see what happens at the trade deadline. I want to see what they do in the offseason. As you mentioned before, we came on. Ian Begley reports that it's reasonable to expect the Knicks to look to Derrick uh, to resign Derrick Rose in the offseason. Otherwise, why would they trade from now? Um, you know, I'm certainly not going to question Ian. Um, so yeah, there's a lot that goes into this. I, I just, I see very little downside risk to what you said, the, the kind of Knicks fan PTSD. And like, I've been harsh on, I, I overly harsh on, on some Knicks fans over the last couple of weeks, just because I have a personal, I, I don't know. I respect authority too much. And like, I just, to me, when a guy is producing, I know it's Classic a shame. Bootlicker Macri. When you when a guy is producing, you're 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 it's you're limited in in how much you should be allowed to question that. And to to your point before about the pace that Mike Miller had them on, it was indeed 31 wins and change. Can I just go through? So eight of those only eight of those 17 wins came against teams um, that went to the bubble. And keep in mind, 20. Two teams, 21 or 22 teams went to the NBA bubble. 22. 22 teams. So that means um, nine of the 17 wins came against the uh, the eight worst teams 
in the league. And I also want to say it wasn't just that they were the eight worst teams in the league. It's they were playing those games against teams who were already mailing it in and like wins at the beginning of the season to me when you're still in it and when everybody's still in it and everybody's still going for which everybody is right now with the exception of um, maybe Detroit, um, maybe Minnesota and maybe Washington. And guess what? The Knicks haven't played any of those teams yet. So I think you could make an argument that every single one of their wins has been a, a quality win um, this year. Not sure you could say the same thing about last season. And then the teams that went to the bubble, like, yeah, they had wins against Washington, a decimated Washington team. They had, I think it was two wins um, against the Nets when the Nets were were not healthy. Um, or maybe one win against the Nets when the Nets were not healthy. Um, like, I, I just, here's the thing. I watch, We watched those games. We watched that team. Mike Miller made Fisdale look terrible, and he was a lot better than David Fisdale. I don't think that precludes us from saying the effort that Tibbs has them playing with consistently night in and night out, and more importantly, the scheme that he has them playing with, specifically on defense, um, is just, it's a, to, for me, it's a different level um, than it was last year. And that's just me. Maybe maybe I'm in the minority. Maybe I'm seeing what I want to see and not what's actually there. But to me, I think Tibbs is owed. I don't know. I think he's owed a little bit more credit than he's getting. And I know that's not going to be a popular um, opinion, especially after he leaves R.J. Barrett on the bench for most of the fourth quarter. But, you know, that's kind of where I'm at. See, I see it a little differently. In the sense that, and, and RJ just didn't have it today. He, yeah, he had a bad game. It was a back-to-back. He wasn't playing well. I get and why he's he wasn't 20. playing. He's 20 yeah. years old. It's it gonna happens. Happen. Uh, it's a shame, obviously, that it was against the Heat and Tyler Harrow because I know that a lot of fans wanted that matchup. But uh, the reason I see it differently is this. I think that it's not, if we don't outright say, you know, like, oh, man, Tibbs is doing a fantastic job. It seems like it's not appreciated. It is. It absolutely is. But this idea that we can't ask questions or that we shouldn't ask questions. questions after wins is a little crazy to me because of the fact that you know that Tibbs is going back there and he's going to take a look at the film and he's going to ask himself similar questions or more, sure. much more advanced questions. And you're not going to see the players being like, well, coach, we won. So like, why are we, why are we doing this? He's we don't never have to happy. Right. He says it himself. He's never he does. happy. He does. In the yeah. same way that, you know, like you could pay compliments to someone but then if you say one thing that's constructive criticism, it's deemed like you focus on that one thing or, you know, just the fact of how you can look at a team and you can analyze it and appreciate that they're excelling in these categories, but say, well, maybe we should talk about something that they're not doing as well. And so that they can do better at it later. And then it's like, well, if we can't talk about that after wins, then what are we doing here? Because if it's when we try to bring it up for losses, it's like, well, you're, you're, you know, we just lost. Okay. Let's, let's not hammer that point home too hard. And when it's a win, it's like, well, we just won. So why are we talking about the negatives? So again, that, that's just how I see it in I, terms of, in terms of correct how, way to see it. Right. Well, I, 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 think, I certainly think so. No, I think that's a correct way to see it. I but, guess I, I'm just, I'm surprised that it almost, maybe this is just me misreading the room, but it almost seems like there are already people who are a out on Tibbs and B, if they're not out on Tibbs, they're like Tibbs doesn't know how to manage a rotation. And I think there's a I think there's a gray area between Tibbs has made some choices that it can and should absolutely be questioned um, in terms of the regular rotation and in terms of minutes distribution and substitutions in game. I think there's a big gray area between that and this guy, you know, yeah, he has them playing hard, but he clearly doesn't know what he's doing when it comes to the things that matter the most. That which I feel like is where a lot of fans are at. And that's the point that I'm like, I just I, I can't get there. Uh, well, I and I, I don't know how people can. It's a broad spectrum, right? I mean, this idea of what he's able to do, what he's not able to do. It, it's going to you're going to have people arguing constantly no matter what happens but it's more the idea of you know like just enjoy the win like well you can enjoy a win and also have questions about where you can improve yeah. at the same time they're not You're mutually right. exclusive things but no I, you know again they're, they're just things to work on we're we talk about not necessarily you and i but the the narrative is out there that we as new yorkers were never satisfied and so if that's the case, then we just have to accept that and say, great, you're right. Let's see how we can improve. Let's constantly continue improving because the ultimate goal is obviously a championship. And until yeah. we see that team get there, 
we're going to have things to talk about and we're going to want to try to, you know, get everything perfect or as close to perfect as it can be so that we can say we won. We did this. We're at the top of the mountain. We're not. And there then, and then nobody time. then nobody ever gets to ask you a question. And I think actually you just we really just kind of took us a half an hour. We really just stumbled upon why this rose trade has become kind of a, a third rail thing for a lot of people is because it goes hand in hand with a lot of the questions that because people were already on this kind of wave of like, he's, it's just, yeah, okay. I love the wins, but like these the certain things about this are just not okay. And then to now inject the guy who we know he's going to play 20 minutes a night, if not more like that, you could write that down um, in pen, like that's going to happen. And, you know, you, you, to believe that that is in furtherance of larger organizational goals. And this gets back to the very first thing that you said requires trust. And I will, that's one thing I cannot blame any fan for not having is complete and utter trust in the coach, the coaching staff, the front office, not after the last 20 years, you don't like, you don't get a year's worth of, well, they didn't screw anything up. And then all of a sudden, and what is their record? 11 and 14. And then all of a sudden, everybody should trust you. That is not the case. Um, so I, I get that. And I and I hear that. And I acknowledge that. And um, I respect it. Um, but I, I do want to see how this plays out before I call this out as like, oh, it's just, it's the Knicks being the Knicks. Right. Um, you know. And I, th- I think yeah. one more thing just to, to touch upon here is we know that Tibbs likes his 10-man rotations for the most part. Yeah. And so... I look at next year's team because when you see that the idea in mind is re-signing Derrick Rose, number one, if Derrick Rose is in the right environment and he's got the injury history he has and he is as old as he is, I think he's going to be 32 this year. Um, yeah. If and if he's if he's comfortable, I think he's thirty two now. At, actually, right? Like uh, yeah. you're not going to make that much more money than where he's at right now. What teams are really going to offer him more than like six seven million dollars? That's essentially Alec Burke's money. Uh, especially when yeah. you account for a slight bit of inflation, because I think the, the cap is going to rise by about at least 3%. So um, let's just look at it on paper what it is right now, right? You got Randall, you got RJ Barrett, you've got Emmanuel Quickly, you've got Mitchell Robinson, and supposedly next year, you've got Derek Rose. That's five. Yeah. Then you've got Obi Toppin. You've got two first round picks, mm-hmm. one late, well, I said late first round because that's the way I think about it. one early second round pick already. That's nine roster spots yeah. that you've got filled for, for what you'd hope would be your uh, rotation. I have, well, even... if they keep and use both of those picks on players that will be in the rotation. Next sure. Year. That's a Granted. huge if. Right. But even if, okay, let's take away one, right? So what, we're like eight. I think one is fair. I think it's fair to say one. It, it, let's go with one. Okay. So then they were at seven. Yeah. That means that you've got, what probably, I mean, if they move Kevin Knox, then the amount's going to only grow. But you're probably which looking they could have like, done here and they didn't. Right. But it, which so it tells me, like, number one, they're probably pretty out on Kevin Knox, the point where they're willing to, tra- I, to trade him for an expiring contract. But also, two, um, they weren't willing to make it in this deal. So there's some yeah. prudence that's there. But, you know, even if you take Knox out of the equation and, and just trade him for expiring salary, you've got seven roster spots that we've just filled. You've yeah. got three guys and you've got like $45 million to spend on three players. And then that's not including the room exception that you have, which is for probably like $4.9 million next year. So that's a lot of money to spend on only two to three roster spots, which is yeah. great because it means that you can go, you know, like you can spend a lot of money on a player that is desirable. to you. Obviously this is not a very strong um, team or excuse me. Well, yes, but also it's not a strong uh, free <laughs> agency is what I meant to say um, Freudian slip, I guess. Uh, so <laughs> if, if that's the case, you know, you can target someone like I talk, I, I'm sure that we'll talk about this more, right? I, like I can't see Mike Conley leaving the jazz, but I also know that if they stay in the luxury tax this year, they're definitely going to be in the luxury tax next year. They get hit with a repeater tax. If you wanted to pay a little bit more to pry him away, you have the money and then some to do it. And because the Jazz would be looking at like, well, we don't really want to pay $60 million for Mike Conley. Yeah. That's the sort of thinking. It doesn't have to be him. But that that mindset of like, you can just consolidate your money behind like him or 
an Oladipo, or if you really wanted to do a complete long shot, it's not going to happen. I'm just telling you right now, it's not. Oh God, if you I'm wanted afraid. to say Kawhi Leonard, again, not saying it's happening. I'm not. It's not going to happen. He's staying with the Clippers. There's no reason for him Which to leave. Is not, we should not it's, be allowed to bring up his name on this probably podcast. Probably not, but I just did. So We shouldn't. Uh, no, you're right. But again, it, it's that mindset of like, players you could target with that money and still have sure. something left over to help you support those guys. That's yeah. really it. No, it, it's, it's, it's all well said. Um, but they, we have a long way to go before we get there. And I, I think here's, here's what I'm personally happy about. We're 25 games in more than a third of the way through the season. And the focus is still on this season. And I think more than anything, that's why they made this trade today. I think they want to continue to keep the focus on this season. And I think, you know, they, they knew they needed help and they did need help. And if you do, all you have to do is watch the games. They knew they needed help. And I, I, I like that mindset. I like the mindset of we're not going to allow this to devolve into a season where we have somewhere between 15 and 30 games that are utterly meaningless and the notion that they want to have, however many it winds up being, meaningful games. And I think that's ultimately, you know, where for fans, you, you, you're either on one side of that split or the other. You either think that there is inherent value in playing meaningful games into May, or you think that it's basically a big, you know, you know what. Um, and it's, it's just worth it to just, uh, no, I would much rather see Obi Toppin playing 25 minutes a game. I don't care what happens as a result of it. I just want to see the kid play, which if that's your stance, that's, I mean, there are teams that have gone about it that way. I just, man, I don't, I don't see those teams as having usually as like usually figuring it out. Um, and that's the thing I always go back to is when people were like, you know, it's great if you're winning, but if you're not playing the kids, what does it matter? I still want somebody to point me to the franchise at any point that has played kids before they're ready to be played. I'm not talking about, play, like, again, that's that's what it comes down to, right? If you have a kid like Emmanuel Quickly and he can help you win games, then yes, you're going to play in 20, 25 minutes a game. Um, but like kids that are clearly not ready and you throw them out there, for all these minutes, like show me the example where that has yielded positive results, either for the player himself or for the franchise as a whole. I mean, we just, this is the last thing I'll say, and then we could finish up. Um, we'll, we'll do a very quick progress report before we get out of here. Um, Bam out of bio. How'd Bam out of bio look today? I'd say he looked pretty good. Wouldn't you? Yeah, I would. Decent, decent player, right? Um, Bam out of bio didn't make the all rookie team his, his rookie year. And that's not because Bam Adebayo was a bad player his rookie year. He was on his way to becoming the player he is now. Um, he didn't average 20 minutes a game. His second year, he averaged 23.3 minutes a game. First year, he averaged under seven points a game. His second year, he averaged under nine points a game. Um, it took that dude who we... I, mean, I know you've read the same Zach Lowe story that I did. Like... On day one, he was the hardest worker in the franchise. It took that dude two full seasons before he was earning starters minutes. Like, that's the heat. The Spurs, look at what they did. Like, they have all these kids popping off this year. Keldon Johnson, um, uh, Lonnie Walker. Like, those dudes didn't play last year. The Raptors, go look at how much Pascal Siakam played at a rookie. Go as a rookie. Go look at how much Chris Boucher has played over the last few years. And then like look what he's doing. Like these are your pinnacle franchises in terms of drafting and developing. And I, you know, and I know it's easy to be like, well, of course they did that because they had better players in front of the well, first of all, not really. And second of all, I'm not sure it matters. Like they're, they're, guys are ready when they're ready. And if you give, and we've seen what happens when you give guys minutes before they're ready. And we saw it with Kevin Knox two years ago and how's Kevin Knox doing right now. So that's, that's really it that I want to say. Um, Quickly is no stranger to that, by the way, at Kentucky. No. He did the same thing happened with Kyle Pari. Yeah. He, he barely played in his first year. At least he didn't play nearly as much second year, mostly spending time on the bench explodes in the games that he has to start and that he does start and then becomes the SEC player of the year. It happens. It's not, you know, it's isn't a science necessarily for each player. Every player is going to be different. But I think the, to kind of bring it home, uh, 
if the thought process behind a lot of this also comes with draft compensation, I was asking in the um, Strickland draft Slack channel about, you know, like I had read both on Twitter and on Reddit, this idea that like, you've got your one through five in terms of that's your tier. I mean, yes, Cade's probably in a tier of his own, but really one through five is great. And then six through like 20 is kind of murky. So, if that's the case, if you're looking at a very wide range where like a guy who's taken at seven might not be better than the guy who's taken at 19th overall, if you try to do better as a team and you can still get that right talent, where is the harm in that? And if you wanted to trade up for your guy because you've got the 31st pick as well, most likely, maybe 33rd at worst or so, you can use that too. You don't necessarily want to, but you can use it at your disposal. And I look at the standings right now, and the Knicks are in eighth place, as you said. And I see that Indiana is in fifth place, and they're only a game and a half away. And the Knicks should have a fairly easy schedule. And here's the thought process. They're going to have winnable games, yeah. Right. Is there a huge difference between 15 and 18 from a draft perspective? Doesn't sound like it. No. Is there a difference between 15 and 18 in terms of a playoff experience? Absolutely. You're talking about having to win a road game as like an eight seed for to play in. If you win that, then you get to be the seventh seed. If you lose that, then you have to play the winner of the nine ten, and you get to host that. But if you lose that, you tumble more, or you can just avoid all of that, you know, in its entirety and finish fifth, finish sixth. And, Oof. and if, if you can do that as a team a led world. by Julius Randall, RJ Barrett, Emmanuel quickly, Mitchell Robinson. And if Derek Rose is the type of player that helped you get there, then I don't see how we can be upset by that because that is uh, a that's a statement. That's people, a great people, statement. <laughs> people will find a way to be upset. I'm sure, of course. Uh, but and it, you know, you know when people will be upset when they when they when they trade for the guy who has the Knicks on their list, right? That's when people won't be upset, or when they sign yeah. the guy outright, because then there will be proof of concept. Until then, there is no proof of concept. This is a bunch of guys fumbling around in the dark looking for answers. That's what it is. Um, All right. I've been promising this progress report thing. I don't know what much progress report we have to update on other than that. Emmanuel quickly and RJ Barrett continue to be very good. I will say this. Let me say this real quick. Obi Toppin had a moment today. He had a couple moments. I just want to put that out there. I want it to be recorded. I want it to be on the record. He had some moments today. Um, I watched Halliburton most of his game the other night. He's going to win rookie of the year. He's really good. Um, but I am not yet losing faith in Obi Toppin. I, I just want to keep seeing the moments, little moments, a couple moments each game. Is that is that enough for you, Jeremy? Or are you are you still in on Obi? Yeah. Again, like I, I didn't necessarily want him as a draft pick. He's here. I am fully accepting of the fact that he's here. I, I agree with the sentiment that if the Knicks knew about that, this would be the Randall that they have. They probably would have looked in a different direction. Like. I, I'm speculating here very much so, but I look at Devin Vassell and that just screams a Walt Perrin pick. I think they would have taken Halliburton. I don't know about that. I think they would. I think they would have they, taken. I mean, a- it's possible, but I, I, there, there was also that rumor that Halliburton really wanted to go to Sacramento and kind of tanked his value on purpose. So may, if that is true, then that, you know, I mean, that doesn't stop the Knicks from taking him, but yeah. you just never know. Vassell plays off ball. It, it doesn't matter. It's all fruitless anyway. It's all but, water under the bridge. Right. But no, I mean, it, it was, it was nice to see the explosion from Obi. Uh, it was so funny when, when that three ball, when it was a, you know, they were contesting whether or not it should have counted. Yeah. And he's just going like, like this for a solid. That's a meme. I gotta seconds. get that. Yeah. yeah. That was good. No, again, like it's baby steps. I think, I think that there is based on his age. I look at it where I've said, like, I expect him to be among the best rookies and I stand by that. At the same time, I also get the idea of, well, if he's a late bloomer, then maybe he'll just bloom later at the NBA level too. Maybe if he's a year or two behind in terms of his development, then it's going to take a year or two for him to get to where we want him to be. Because again, like this is a dude who was balling uh, over the summer a couple of years ago with like Carmelo and other players out there and he was holding his own. So it's just the game's moving quickly. He's learning. I hope he gets there. I, I, I think it'll happen you know, not this year, but just as long as he sees minutes on the court and can grow from it and leans on a guy like Kenny Payne, it's encouraging. There's no other the, way to put it. The game is moving um, more quickly for him than it is for quickly. 
You see what I did there? Yeah, no, I did. I, I, you did I, see that? I did, yes. I just, I have to f- close out this this BAM point. Um, Obi Toppin has now been healthy and available for 15 NBA games. Um, over the first um, 19 NBA games that BAM Adebayo was healthy and available for. BAM Adebayo, 20-year-old rookie, so not quite 22, but not 19 either. Um, how many... Um, how many minutes do you think he averaged per game? 17. He averaged 12.3 minutes per game. He averaged three and a half points and three and a half rebounds. And he had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine DMPs for a Miami team that was essentially a 500 team. Like they weren't anything special. Sounds like a bust so, to me. Yeah. <laughs> and again, this is this is this is bam fucking out of bio. Um so let's let's uh let, yeah, I think everybody, you know, it, it's we we went so long without basketball. Um and I think I'm I'm not giving enough credence to the fact that you know, fans me included wanted what they wanted. I want what I want to. You want what you want, Jeremy, and you should get what you want. Um, and when, when things are, you know, not going that way, it's, it is really easy and it is very tempting to be like, my God, the, the answer is so obvious. It's right in front of us. Let's just do it this way. Um, and I, you know, a new regime, new coach, a lot of young players. I think let's give a little time and see what happens. I'm curious. I'm curious as everybody else to see how this goes, but I, I remain, um, hopeful and confident, um, I believe I won our four game. Did I win our four game prediction? Yeah. Cause will you guess one and three, right? Uh, yeah. Wait, they played four games. So yes, I did. Well, right. Today's- Cause you, you got two and two. That's what I'd wanted, but you had the rightful claim. So you were victorious. Yeah. Cause they won two games. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that means I get to go again. Um, and then next week we're doing the next 10 games, right? I think that's, we're due for that next game. Uh, we just uh, did the next 10 games. So we've got yeah, four. Yeah, so the next after or an after, episode next week. Yes. Okay. No. The week of the 20th is when. Because we, well, we, we, we just did 10 great. last week. But right. next week when we record this, I think we're going to have to do the next 10 games at that point. Because we're not going to record another episode before they play their 30th game. Whatever. For right, we'll Doesn't figure matter. this out later. For right now, we're just they doing the four, next. They're having three this week, and then they'll do like what three the next week. Oh, then maybe you're right. Okay, right. so maybe we do have two weeks. I was, I, I, I'm so used to their games being on top of every one another. That's the other thing. The Knicks have played. This was their fourth back-to-back game. I, w- I was writing something else for another thing um, yesterday. There are teams out there who have played like one back-to-back. Knicks, have, this is their fourth one. A hard schedule. Okay, yep. and uh, eleven. Th- th- yeah, this week Tuesday. At Miami, Friday, at Washington, Saturday, home, Houston. Only three games. I'm going to get two nights to watch something that I, whatever I want. This is glorious. I'll, I'm sure I'll be watching basketball. Um, at Miami, at Washington, Houston at home. Put my money where my mouth is. I come on here. I t- I say, yeah, the fans who aren't bought in, they're idiots. I can't come on here and then say they're going to go one and two. What kind of a man would that make me? It would make me a very small man, which I am five, six, two and one, two wins and one loss. Well, once again, you have <laughs> taken my record. I so regret that I gave you the ability to pick first, but Alas, you didn't give it to me. It's, I earned it. I won. You did. You did. Yes. Sometimes you win. Sometimes you lose. I lost. And by virtue, you won. Um, I would say again, like, I don't want to say two and one. I do want to say two and one, but I can't. Uh, I don't want to say one and two, but I God, the margin of error for three and oh is pretty. Uh, Hold on. They could go three and oh, of course they could, but it just takes <laughs> one loss and then the ball's in your court, buddy. I can't allow that to happen. So we're going to go one and two again. I'm going to be Mr. Pessimism because I, I need my title back. Um, I hope you're wrong. I hope you lose again. Sure. I guess I do too, since you keep getting to be the optimistic type. 
So yeah, I guess so. Uh, yeah. Man, okay. Well, um, we've had some real fun today. Um, I hope you at home have had fun too. Um, and uh, thank you for listening, Jeremy. Anything else from you? I think the absolute worst part of this trade is now we have to refer to Leon Rose as like Leon and Derek Rose's D Rose. There was one Rose. We had one Rose. We kept it simple and now we've Mm -hmm. got two. And that's just, that just sucks. You know, it just sucks. It's going to get really confusing. And then I have to think like, Oh, what do they mean by Rose? Do they mean the player? Oh no. They mean the front office. I hate it. I hate everything about it. Fuck this trade. This reminds me of there was a follow-up to Chinatown called the two Jakes. You familiar with this movie? I'm not familiar with the movie. Oh, okay. Um, but forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. And on that note, thank you for listening to another. <laughs> we're, this is, we're just two ridiculous idiots who come fun. <laughs> this, this is just we. Why do why do we have a podcast? We're two idiots. Um, thank you for listening to another episode of the Nick's Film School podcast. Uh, thank you for Jeremy for keeping us honest. And um, thank you to me for nothing. Um, and mostly thank you to you for listening at home. Don't forget, by the way, uh, we have people that work very hard on this show. Um, when I say people, I mean our producer, Andrew Claudio, and um, would really appreciate a, a five star review if you are so inclined um, to uh, or a five-star rating. That's it. A five-star rating and a positive review. Um, that would be great. And uh, subscribe to the next film school, YouTube channel. Uh, go check out the Strickland. Jeremy had a kick-ass Victor Oladipo piece um, on there uh, to end the week. I would strongly recommend reading that. And uh, we you're, will see what you're too humble to admit that you also had a great Victor Oladipo yeah, piece. And so, which was, is funny because I'm glad we wrote it when we did, because now it's probably moot. Because I don't think they're trading for Victor Oladipo with Derek Rose. Don't be so sure. Oh, okay. Mm. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week. Adios. Adios.